Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is the Big 12 Job Ranking Edition. We did a lot of the job rankings last year, but there's been some realignment. Some stuff has changed. So me and Ari Wasserman and the Portal Authority, Max Olson, are going to rank the job of the Big 12 today. But first, we have a little bit of business to take care of from Tuesday's show. Max Olson had never had a McDonald's filet of fish. Mm-hmm. And we need to find out, is Pusha T correct? Max is going to have his first McDonald's filet of fish Meanwhile, I am going to try two, two of the Arby's fish sandwiches, the spicy fish sandwich and the King's Hawaiian fish sandwich. Hold on. I think you got the better end of this deal, but we, we shall see. Holy moly. Hey, just I got curly fries, too. Oh my one, uh, one place needs a bunch of gimmicks and other uh, you know, ingredients from other brands, and one is just the classic. So let's, let's, okay, let's And Ari, where'd you, where'd you go? Uh, I already ate lunch today. I'm getting okay. married in six weeks, so I've got to debloat. Debloat. Ari is so scared, by the way. This is my Super Max Bowl. is going to hate this filet of fish. He's terrified. Mm-hmm. He's pretty worried. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. I. I don't know what to say. I'm just. I, and I, I got squeak. home like 25 minutes ago too. So we've we've microwaved this uh, just to be. You know, transparent with the audience. We've microwaved Max, this to try and gotta, let's hold up the illusion here. Just because I had to get to Arby's, but I, I, I want to give Ari some built-in excuses here in case in case this didn't go well. You know? I mean, all, all I'm right. going to say is That's I'm fine. sorry. I don't like exactly what you like if you don't like it. But why don't we throw go, them up, Andy? Andy? Here's what we got. Look, oh, that that seems to be a is that one the one with cheese on it? It's got it's got some cheese. Yeah, stuck in there in the bottom mm-hmm. somewhere. Did, there. Right, did make you sure me- the first did you measure to make sure it was perfectly square? It's it's quite square. I can give you the here you go. Here's the there's your yeah. There's your there's your inside. Okay. Make sure you get a good bite with the the first bite with some of the tartar on there too. Okay. Trying to figure out which place we should go. We should tack this thing from. (laughs) How's that? Is that a good is this a good starting point there? We'll go that corner. Uh, Yeah, hit the corner. (laughs) All right. How we feeling? Oh my. It was a sharp corner, by the way. It's pretty good, Ari. <laughs> it is. It's not bad, right? <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. I'll give yeah. it to you. It's not and bad. it wasn't fresh, too. So it was still it was still warm enough. It wasn't room temp. Okay. As you would say, paint the word picture. <laughs> I like the fish. I, I, I like the tartar sauce. I, I like a I like dill and stuff like that. So that, that doesn't throw me off. Um, I don't, there's not much cheese on this. I, I get why you get double cheese. If you want the cheese, yes. there's not cheese. Isn't really like it's a, it is a push a T may have been right about the size of the cheese they're putting on these. Did yeah, he say I mean, it was a half slice? It has. Yeah. I think that, um, 
that is probably a fair assessment, but on the same token, too, you're in complete control of how much cheese and tartar you get on your sandwich. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I have the King's Hawaiian you know, that's, Deluxe. That's totally fine. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's not a bad sandwich. Yeah. I have the King's Hawaiian Deluxe from Arby's. Now, mm. where, where I think McDonald's goes with the square, which fills the whole bun, Arby's is advertising that it's, it's, that it's fish filet overhangs the bun which it does but it leaves a big vertical strip of of just bread mm. where mcdonald's makes sure you get a full bite so that's that's interesting so but this is a king's hawaiian roll that this fish sandwich is on so we're gonna give this one a, a, a little right. little taste test this is torture mm. by the way <laughs> <laughs> oh the sweetness of the king's hawaiian roll along with is it's a really good it's a good fish fillet. It's uh, it's crispy. It's real meat. I mean, I know the the McDonald's fillet of fish. Are you is swiping wild at caught, McDonald's in your review right now? Because it's Pollock. Yeah, it's shaped like a fish fillet, Ari. I don't know how what a fish fillet is supposed to be shaped. I wouldn't. Like. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say that what I've got here fish. is is particularly crispy. But that you know that could be a, a, a time thing. It too. is a soft sandwich. It's a soft sandwich. Yeah, which I like. I could put down 10 of them. This is spectacular. <laughs> I think Hawaiian buns kind of like a loaded die though. A little yeah, bit, that's, you know? that's a little, a little yeah, right. yeah. Well, okay. So I have one that's non-Hawaiian. This is the spicy one. I was very intrigued by this one. So it's got what diced are, jalapenos on it as well. Hmm. So again, very full sandwich. This, for oh, no, what, what all, sandwich. What all's on that? Well, I got it. No tartar, no, no tartar sauce on this one. Uh, okay. I did no tartar, no tomato on the other one. You can okay. get the 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 King's Hawaiian Deluxe comes with tartar and tomato and lettuce and cheese, which is cheddar, not American. Uh, this one, the spicy, comes with lettuce, diced jalapeno, tartar, and I believe that's it. Okay. And I did no tartar on that one. So I'm going to give a, a try to this one. I also got some of the three pepper spicy sauce from Arby's to try – uh, to dunk this in. I was going to say, man, I grabbed it. some Cholula for this. I didn't know. Do people do that? Oh. Did you did you toss it on there, or did you find that it was Not perfect on one, the way it I, was? I, could on the, I did buy two, because you told me to. So, All right, here we go with the spicy. All right. Oh, that is tremendous. And he's just he's milking it up better than you, Max. Okay. that's, that's So it. there's a spicy powder. I have some experience here <clears throat> with, the, uh, with the food on, on video. But... There's a spicy powder that's kind of like slappy mama seasoning. If you ever had that, it's and it's dusted on this thing. Yeah, yeah. And then you got the diced jalapenos to give you some extra spice. And it's it's a really juicy fillet too. That's the one thing I was worried about when when I got these was they'd be dry, but because I mean the tartar sauce takes care of any dryness that you might have to deal with. But it is uh it's outstanding. I'm sorry, Ari. I'm not. I'm not the best hype man for you because I have no context for it. Well, well, let me let me just uh, <laughs> let me just ask you this. You've never had one before. Your your initial thoughts of what it would be like, you know, because you've never ordered one, which means it probably wasn't something that appealed okay, so to you. Did you Is eat it, fish sticks a lot as a kid? Yeah. Okay. I so it's it seems to me like that's kind of the it, it seems like kind of a fish stick. Like similar to like kind of the the oven warmed up frozen fish sticks kind of. But Let I would say it's better this. fish than that. But square. Will you but order square. this again on your own? Time? Not rectangular or prism. I don't know. I I would be I I would be open to 
exploring this universe and trying the Culver's one and trying others and trying to, you know, kind of get that, that sense of, uh, of best and worst. Because some people just have a mental block when it comes to just the fish in fast food realm. Like they don't think I those think two when things I looked mesh. at pictures of a fish fillet, it did not look appealing to me. And I would say it's definitely better than like kind of my perception was. Yeah. I would, I would say that was a good sandwich. Um, that was pretty easy to eat too. How many of those Andy, can you put away? Yeah, the, 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 he, that's what I'm saying. Like, no, I, that's the thing too. When they're fresh and they're hot, and the bun is steamed, and you get some tartar and some cheese in there, yeah. you can eat one. It feels like you only had like a nugget. If there's not, they're not very big, and they're very soft, and they're very easy to swallow. So, mm-hmm. I just think that they just taste really good. And the idea of like a fish flavor yeah. with in the tartar sauce is there, I think, really good. And that's not something that Andy likes, but. Well, no, but I have eaten a lot cocktail. of fish fillets or a lot of filet fishes. Just I get it with no tartar yep. in my time. I'll and put Cholula on the second one here. So I will say, as far as the quality of the of the filet goes and the, and the taste of the fish itself, the Arby's and the McDonald's are basically identical. Okay. Arby's, I think, dresses it Arby's up. Arby's dressing like, it up better. Having the King's Hawaiian roll, roll is a huge plus for Arby's. Here's doing the, thing the spicy too. dust and the, and the jalapenos. You, so maybe McDonald's just needs to try a little harder. If you put the sandwich on a plate to the left, the Arby sandwich, and you put to the right the McDonald's sandwich, I think most people, just by looking at it, would probably just assume that the Arby's is a higher quality sandwich. Mm-hmm. But my main point of this whole thing is, is that the McDonald's one just tastes better to me, and it hits the spot. So okay. like Arby's has... King's Hawaiian the McDonald's bun. one does not taste better than these. The McDonald's fillet tastes exactly like the fillets in here, but they've dressed these up better. So they've like used outside help in order to improve their product. King's Hawaiian, now, heck yeah. Now what's holding McDonald's back? Why can't they roll out? I mean, you've seen when they do like the Big Mac in three different sizes, right? Why don't they do three different styles of the uh, of the? Well, you uh, can get the double fillet fish. Because Arby's not uh, Arby's. We're not talking about Arby is not demanding better on top of it. Just, I'm saying <laughs> what Andy's talking about. Do the spicy. I don't know. I just you don't you don't put alternate wheels on a 1969 Corvette Stingray. I mean, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're what you're asking me here. Um, if I had but to pick do, between the two you sandwiches, you lift an F-150 and, and throw some big old donked up tires on it. I would pick so, the filet fish sandwich a hundred times out of a hundred. Okay. Um, the bun is very good. And look, out of fairness to you, Ari, there's two McDonald's close to me, and I went to the one that's never let me down. There's the other one that's close to me. There's like been two times now we've driven through it, and it just and my wife loves McDonald's Diet Coke, and there's been like two times we've driven through it, and you drink the Diet Coke, and they accidentally put some Sprite in the Diet Coke for some reason, and so that's weird. So if I'd gone that one, I would have been wronging you. Uh, I went to a good one, very quality bun. On this one, and I know you said that's And there's important. a menu hack, too, Max. You can get okay. that bun, like, on a burger. And people don't know that. Just, you could say, I want a, I want a double quarter pounder with cheese with the filet fish bun, and they'll make that for you. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I just, I think this is a nostalgia play for you, Ari. I think you're just so, it's so ingrained that you love the filet fish that you can't accept that someone has improved upon it. But that would be the case, I would think, if I was showed an unwillingness to try the competitors, and I'm just telling you what I prefer. I've like I've gone and I'm I'm trying I'm waiting for somebody to top it in my book, and I can appreciate why somebody right, would this want is way better. <laughs> that, this, you see my head? 
It's just right, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't like what you like. I don't. But you are you are Ken Niamatololo looking at Coastal Carolina's option and being like, no, can't possibly do that. I think the filet fish is like one of their best selling sandwiches too. I'm sure it is, but just because you ingrained people get like that with certain amounts, of, and I'm the same way with with certain things. I want it the way I always had it. And if you change it, it's going to bother me. I'm not saying change it. I'm saying continue offering the basic square with cheese and tartar sauce for you. Throw some spicy dust on it for the rest of us. I also think that there is another interesting angle to this that you guys aren't considering. I think that the Arby's sandwich is twice or three times as much more expensive than like mm. I, I think the Arby's sandwich is like six dollars and Max got two for six. So I think that's part of the equation. No, the Arby's too. is two for six. The the King's Hawaiian is more expensive. Oh, but the, okay. the regular Arby's is two for six. But how much were the sandwiches that you just ate? The the spicy one was part of the two for six deal. Okay. The King's Hawaiian, you got to pay like an extra buck. Okay. Well worth it. Yeah, King's Hawaiian. That's I feel like that's kind of cheating a little bit. That's impressive yeah. that they're offering that. I mean, you could just. Um, it was a good deal on this though. A, it was like I think the second. I think the second. I don't know how they rang it up, but it looked to me like. My first fillet of fish was three ninety nine, and my second one was a dollar or something like that. It was some sort of bogo deal. So yeah, yeah, bogo, good value. Yeah, yeah. And um, Ari, as you saw, I just housed those. Yeah, I mean, and you want more? Clearly, right? I didn't dislike. It. I didn't there, gonna say that, but <laughs> if there's a third one there, you'd probably put it down though. It was um, easy to put down. I I, I understand. Uh, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I I just really really enjoy it. So, and I guess like part of the reason why I'm the only person out there screaming into the abyss of the filet fish is the best sandwich in fast food is that it's not a popular opinion. And I think that's part of the reason why people like roll their eyes when I say things. So. What's the more satisfying experience to eat the, the double filet fish or to eat two filet fishes, two filet fishes. Okay. Now the, there's people though that will, will say I, the sandwich is too small because it's not a very big sandwich. It's not. Um, so you can, you can doctor it up a little bit and add. I, I love how Ari's defense. It's, it's small. It's soft. It's not that easy to swallow, but I love it. It's very easy to swallow. It's the number one quality. Oh, that's right. It's too easy to swallow. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. quick. That was Sorry, pretty I'm, quick. I'm, I'm yeah, those go yeah. down like water, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, uh, I, I, I would think take... I would want some crunch to it. So I think I maybe personally, I may be more drawn to. Was that, that a pretty crispy, crunch. pretty crispy fish? It's there, certainly more crispy at the other places. It, McDonald's it was, is the only one that is, has the softness to it. I, I will say the King's Hawaiian bun is just next level. Now mm-hmm. that does cost an extra buck. You have mm-hmm. to be willing to part with that extra dollar, but it's next level. Did you enter that into your calories thing today? I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to. I also to. got some curly yeah. fries. Someone's not eating dinner tonight. I did not get fries. <laughs> oh, I'm, this, I'm done eating for today. And and now I've got to run like 10 miles too. So thanks for that. But hey, it's good content. It's good for the show. Yeah. So now we have we have a bit of I wish that you could have done two here. and we, two. Like where you ate we, one of each. So that you guys well, can argue with each other. Yeah, I know, but then Max would have had to find an Arby's and a McDonald's, and I would have had. They weren't to find that far Arby's away. We could have done it. Yeah, but. we could have figured it out. But you yeah, know. we both just ate two sandwiches. Next week, I mean, we could have made a Staples show. We'll we'll run it back. <laughs> That's right. It was it was delicious though. Uh, I, that was I, I'm impressed. That's one of the better fast food sandwiches I've had in a while, and that the spicy one. Now, now, if you put the hack, I think would be put the spicy, which I'm sure if I'd asked, they'd have done it. Put the spicy fillet. Because it's just a powder that they're th- they're mm-hmm. like a dry rub. 
put the spicy fillet on the king's Hawaiian roll. Yeah, that sounds that sounds amazing. That's the it, hack. It does seem sound to me, Andy, like what Ari is saying is you could probably put six of these on a table and have him do a blind taste test, and it really wouldn't matter because he just likes the taste. Like right. it doesn't like he likes you can you can put combo. out all these sandwiches that are objectively better, but ultimately. Right. His preference is the exact way that McDonald's does it. Yes, the heart. Their tartar sauce is delicious. I think, and I'm a very big tartar sauce person. Nautical mayonnaise, disgusting. Mm -hmm. Why would you ever? I thought it was fine on that sandwich. Yeah, nobody will ever. Everybody who. The one thing that I will say is makes me feel good is that anybody who just goes, ugh, filet fish or ugh, fast food sandwich that's for fish, like that's gross. That's square. It's disgusting. Eats it and they're like, that's pretty good. And the cheese well, didn't listen, bother me either. It, it, whole, I mean, there wasn't much on it, but it didn't bother me, which I the thought. The whole it would. worrying about it being fish from a fast food—it's fried. You throw something in boiling oil, it's safe. Yeah, you're yeah. good. You're good, pal. Um, okay, I'll let you transition into the main point of the show. Well, but- before before we do that, I do want to—I do have a question because I've not been to an Arby's in a while, and so I was very confused by a sign out front when I got there that said, "We have crinkle fries now," and I'm like, "Yeah." You oh, already wow. they have want, curly fries. They wanted you to have, add the second worst form of fry to their menu. No, curly fries. Oh, are great. I like crinkle fries. I mean, I don't want to spend crinkles 10 minutes are, on this. Yeah, yeah, crinkles crinkles are, good. are awful. Crinkles, crinkles are, are the good. worst fry that yes. there is. What, would, what are crinkle you talking about? Crinkle fries are edible for, for 4.2 seconds. The only That's reason why insane. crinkle fries are good is because they're fries. You guys are being insane. If right you now. ranked fries, I think the last two, like you'd be like, you have steak, shoestring, all those seasoned, whatever. Shoestring is garbage. Shoestring's at the bottom. The last one would be crinkle. And the Who, second whoever last would gets be any pleasure out of eating shoestring fries. If you're a restaurant and you want to make fries, why on earth would you even like? That's the thing with Runza. Doesn't Runza have crinkle cut? Runza has cr- good. Fr- why good? would you make that decision? Like, why would <laughs> like if you have like? And I don't know. Shoestring fries are the ones that are so thin that they don't have any potato in it. What, like, what is a McDonald's you? fry? That's what I think a shoestring fry is. No, no, no. They're no, they're thinner no, than no. that. McDonald's fries are thicker than shoestring fries. So what would, yeah. what is a, what is that? Just a classic fry? Just, then? just Google it. They're they're t- tiny. Shoestring would to be them. more similar to In and Out fries. In and Out fries are still bigger than those. Okay, well, like if you want to just do shoestring, which is just fried and there's no potato in it, but like if you're a new restaurant and you're coming up with a concept of like what you want to serve people, why would you go into it choosing crinkle cut? I just don't. I've never understood. Well. That's what who on who in their right mind is going to walk into an Arby's, look at those curly fries, those delicious seasoned piping hot curly fries and go, give me the crinkle cuts. Like that's that is that that that's a bad move by them. McDonald's is McDonald's just regular. No, I I would say. um, So I just looked this up. I think that steak and shake is a is a uh, those are those are garbage. Terrible. Those are garbage. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. That's there, you, there's a discernible difference with McDonald's. Okay, so shoestring. Okay. If you're so thin, then maybe I'd put them down at the bottom of the barrel. But crinkles, okay, way down. I so I will, I will acknowledge my my sort of built-in biases here, just as Ari has. You know, growing him in, in Nebraska, yes, that's the fr- French fry of Runza, and so I have had them. At, I think they do very good ones there, and when they are very crispy and and warm and salty, or they are good. Seconds. I'm yep. not saying okay. Uh, I think that <laughs> I would argue almost steak are, are worse than the, and I generally like a steak fry. What? But I generally like a steak no. fry. But if you're talking about getting cold, I mean, those ones get cold pretty quick. Yeah, but they're still a lot decent of cold, especially if you're dipping them in steak juice. Well, yeah, okay, then what are we talking about? What are you, what are you saying? 
Oh yeah, let's have a cup of au jus next well, to crinkles. You do eat I think they're steak better. Fries yeah. with steak. Well, no, steak I'm talking about like a red robin fry. That's a steak fry. Yeah, yeah, those are delicious when they're they're and, good and they when they're warm. They, they stay warm longer because they they are that. just there's a little more. Yeah, a red robin steak fry isn't like a type of steak fry that I would think of because usually when you get a good steak fry, you're at a great steakhouse. Right. We're talking. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Now I think I I I think very good crinkles are are. Are satisfied. Now, I don't go to the grocery store and buy a bag of frozen crinkle cuts, right? Like, I, I don't seek those out. But who would? I, I well, let's put I it think this way: who seeks good out ones crinkle are cuts? Not anyway? bottom, I don't think they're bottom of the of the list. Has there been a person in the history of mankind Shoe that said I'm really bottom. craving Shoe fries right now? Is I'm going to go find crinkle cuts. But, that but ever your, happen? your point, your point, Andy is is I think is right. If you've already nailed your style of fry, how many people actually walk into Arby's and say, "Oh, I don't, I don't want that type of fry"? That's yeah. why you go to Arby's. Please don't give me the good thing. Right. Give me the terrible thing. But I can thing. understand why somebody <laughs> would seek out curly fries if they were craving fries. I don't think anyone's ever been like, I'm craving French fries. Where's the nearest place I can get crinkle cut? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you that's just, just this part of the country. Because that's the, the, the type of fry that happens to come at the restaurant that you want to go to. Well, see, now the runs of ones, you get them as frings. You get the onion rings with them. That's a pretty solid deal. Yeah. Uh, that's a different category entirely when you get the onion rings involved. All right. We will get. We will do a definitive. We're, fry we're just going to post this as a separate episode, like the, the possibly, yeah. possibly. <laughs> we'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Directv with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Directv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Directv has the most MLB games. Call one eight hundred Directv. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. We got to do this Big Twelve coach job. Right. This is the job ranking. This is not the, the ranking of the coaches. We're or the not, programs. We're saying, yeah, we're saying, if this job opened, how excited should you be to apply for it? How how many different coaches could you draw? And this is one we're going with the new look Big Twelve. So Texas and Oklahoma moving on to the SEC. We take them out of the equation, but we add in BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, which suddenly become much better jobs. And this is one of those where I feel like one, our answers could be wildly different. And I don't see a lot of separation. Mm-mm. Can really I just say like one in 11? This is impossible and that they're all the same kind of. And like if yes. you get the right place yeah. or the right coach at the right place, they're all kind of the same. Like, And I don't, mine might be really odd. Um, and I don't know. If, but I, I don't know how you could make a definitive case for three and then be like whoever put them at seven is wrong. Right. And and if we had this discussion, if we had this discussion annually, our lists would probably look pretty different year to year with this because we just don't right. really kind of know how this is going to shake out for the rest of the decade. And this and this isn't like the SEC or the Big Ten where there's a really established hierarchy. No. 
There was in the old one because we just put Oklahoma and Texas at the top. And Ari and I argued argued over Oklahoma and Texas last year. The entire year. episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was right. He was wrong. He's admitted he was wrong. It's cool. We just, you know, we water under the bridge. But in I this case. I was on case, paternity I, leave during that pod. And, and I remember listening to that one in the middle of the night with a with a probably one or two month old baby. And that was that was quite, quite enjoyable. I, they, I, your baby is now had exposed to toxic Andy thoughts. So <laughs> good, good parenting. I thought you were going to say toxic Texas. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that <laughs> too. Make a bowl game. Um, Come on. The one thing I, I will say before we get into this list is I did not know how to adequately or properly rank BYU. Me neither. Because I, no, idea. I said the same problem. Okay. I had the same problem. All right. Let, let's start with our number ones. Uh, we'll, we'll go, we'll go Ari and then Max and then me. Ari, what is your number one big 12 job in the new big 12? All right. So don't look at me weird. I felt weird doing it. Okay. Houston. Everybody. Okay. Explain. Because Houston has tremendous facilities. They're going to have the same financial, like that's the thing too, is like they're all going to, even the, the former group of five teams coming into the big 12 are going to be on very, even financial playing fields with the rest of them now too. So you can't view old group of five teams the same way that you might've used to Houston has tremendous facilities. Um, They are by far the most uh, visual uh, program in a city like that with as much talent as they have. And um, the fans in that city would really back them. I think if they were in a position where they could actually compete at the highest level. So like when I look around at the rest of the conferences, like and you see a lot of teams in in Texas, you got TCU in the Fort Worth area, and you could say, hey, they've got Dallas, especially with Sonny Dykes as the head coach there. That's definitely what's going to be. Um, but like to me, it's just like being in Houston and having a place that's built out the way it is. I thought was a very advantageous way of looking at it, and I'm I always look at it from a recruiting first standpoint. And maybe Houston won't improve as much as I think they will, but right now, um, I think that's a reasonable thought process. I, I think that when you look at this, there are probably six schools, six or seven, and maybe maybe more, that probably look at the future and say we could be the top dog in the Big 12. Like, we could be the best job in the Big 12. Um, yes. And that's what makes this fun. Right now, I, I have Baylor number one. And that's not like a recency bias. They just won the, the league kind of thing. I think that... Now, they're private school, right? So there's not as much information out there. But I believe, as far as I know, right now, I think in terms of football budgets, I think they are number three behind Texas and Oklahoma right now in the conference. The level of investment is is very high, obviously, um, in coach salaries, in, in everything they do, and f- certainly in facilities um, with, with the brand-new stadium and all that they're building there. And I think that there is... You know, the thing that's really hard with when you look at the, where the conference is going right now is so like you, you can look at Oklahoma State and try to figure out like, OK, well, here's where they are. And we have to respect what they've done for the last 16 years. But also, what, what are they post Gundy? We're about to see sort of what is TCU post Patterson. Baylor has now done this with three different coaches in a decade. And I think that there's I'm, I'm not saying that they, they, they just are number one on that alone. But I think the fact that they have been able to very quickly restock especially from being flat out rock bottom at the end of Bryles and nobody you know recruits didn't want to go there and everything right and look I think that it's a reflection both of they've got a very good AD there now in Mac Rhodes but also their access to talent's really good and uh and and certainly even the developmental talent and so I think that 
Um, infrastructure is good. They, they certainly, you know, the NCAA stuff, that cloud is now no, no longer over them. I, I think Baylor is, is very well positioned here to be uh, a job that, you know, remember Matt, back in the day, Matt Rule chose Baylor over Oregon when he had two choices. I think there's a lot of factors that, that I think you'd have to look at Baylor and say they're set up really well for the future. Yeah, I also had Baylor number one for for most of those same reasons. They're of of all these schools, they are the least likely to lose a good coach over money, and the most likely to have a bunch to throw around to hire a new coach. Now, Houston will be interesting to see how that that goes with them because they tried, and and this is Chris Pesman, their AD, did this on purpose. Like when they hired Dana Holgerson, they spent like a Power Five program. Mm-hmm. They gave him. Uh, an assistant coaching budget that looked like a power five, it looked like a, a kind of a mid-level ACC assistant coaching budget or a mid-level Big Twelve assistant coaching budget, and I think those two kind of do. What's interesting to me is so Ari named a school that isn't in the league yet that's coming in, and and Max, you named one that's that's just won the league. The fact that we could make arguments, I think, for any of the newcomers to be top three jobs in the league. I don't think it says anything bad about the the Big 12 necessarily. I think it says they chose wisely when they chose the new the new programs. And the, the but, way I approached this, guys, was I'm a free agent head coach and I'm going to get to go somewhere and yeah. I'm starting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And if I start tomorrow at Houston, I can be the person that kind of ushers in that new era of power five-ness. And I think that, you know, we might find out in six years that, hey, moving to the Power Five is not the only thing that's going to change the way that these programs operate or the way that their fans support or view the team. But, like, being a legitimate contender at the highest level now in the city of Houston, which is a program, by the way, that has, you know, been a spot that that multiple head coaches have gone on to get better jobs at as a result of being very successful. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're certainly one of the most successful group of five teams. I think that they have more more access to people than um, most other programs in this conference, even though most of them are in the Texas area or in Texas well, or I mean, recruiting like, Texas. Baylor's halfway between Austin and Dallas. It's not a bad drive from Houston. You you have plenty of access to players at Baylor. Plenty of access to players at TCU. Uh, you know Oklahoma State, even though it's farther away, you can get. Metroplex players to drive up there pretty easily. So that's the thing. A lot of these places have easy access to talent. I just think there is something to be said about having the city on your helmet. There is. It doesn't hurt. The the thing Cincinnati will will, will attest to that too. So I have Houston fifth on my list. And I think Ari, you actually talked me into putting them bring him up one spot after talking about Are you going to bring him to fourth? All right. No, no, they're 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 they're, they went from sixth to fifth for me. Let me let me tell you why. Um the thing I'm fascinated to see, so you guys remember not not very long ago, um, you know, when Herman was there, they were able to get Ed Oliver to come to Houston, right? And you would th- and they and sign a very good class around him that year. Um the thing I was really hoping to see is that Ed Oliver going to Houston would motivate more blue chip players from that city to to go to Houston to stay home, to build that thing up. And now that they're going into the Big 12, I would love to see that happen again where there are some big-time Houston guys that go there and make that really cool to stay home. 
right now, I I I don't think that's the case, and I and I don't think you know Dana Holgerson and his staff concern themselves too much with they they'll, they'll go after those guys, but it's not necessarily about can we get the top 100 Houston kids to come here? Maybe they'll transfer here in a couple of years, right? That's but, the thing they're going to be they're going to be top of mind as a bounce back. They absolutely, and and that's something that that Houston is set up to be you know one of the best at in terms of the portal. But I would love to see when they go into the Big Twelve, can they get? some of those guys to stay home because they had Ed, Ed Oliver and they weren't really able to convert that into they've got good players at Houston, but they weren't able to take it to that another level that I, I think would probably impress you, Ari. But of all the schools in the conference right now, what single recruiting win was more impressive than Ed Oliver? I mean, should you say Zach Evans at TCU? Maybe. No, that was but that was but that was based on, on on we're talking we're talking about issues. Oklahoma and Texas out. Right. Because yeah, Zach without Evans, those teams. Yeah. First. So yeah, um, Deontay didn't Deontay Greenberry sign with Houston too? That was another yeah yeah another five yeah. star recruit. I just like um, I don't know how much I buy into the idea and and based putting them number one on the list. I do. I just hope that this legitimizes programs that have been waiting so long to be legitimized. And but, if but, that's the case, then maybe more people will be willing. Like SMU was getting do, top one hundred players in Dallas. Why can't Houston do it in in Houston? But obviously, you know, okay, so like you know the level that. I don't know this isn't really the argument here. And I'm not trying to knock Houston because I think yeah. Houston is a logical choice for 10 years down the road here. But you know with where A&M and Texas are at right now. Oh, sure. Like it's going to sure. be it's going to be challenging. And LSU's in Houston. Yeah, I mean I know. Correct. LSU's yeah. great in Houston. Alabama's in on all the best Houston guys. So But the way I viewed it, Max, just just so you know, is that if they're looking for the 6th, 7th and 8th tier players out of Houston, those players are probably still better than most of the other teams are going to sign out of Texas anyway. Sure. So sure. like you're, you're, the guys you can get at Houston are still probably better than the guys around you at K State, yeah. for example. And I and I don't necessarily believe that Houston's going to start out recruiting LSU and AM in, in Houston. Right. Um, but I do think that having what is it, the second or third largest individual city for talent in America, um, even if you don't get the top ten players in your own city, if you get you know, recruit number twenty six out of Houston, that's still probably better than uh, number five in most other American cities. So and, and I, I think that um, the question when you think about the next decade, if you say, hey, is Houston going to do what it takes, spend what it takes to compete at this level? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So Ari, what is your number? Baylor two? was my number two. And, and okay. we don't have to relitigate all of it. But Baylor, reasons, uh, Max, what do you have at number two? Um, I had a hard time with number two. I, right now I have TCU. I think TCU Oklahoma State is super debatable. Um, I think TCU, if we're, I, it may be more of an upside conversation, just like we talk about with Houston, um, in terms of recruiting and opportunity. And, you know, we will see if, if Sonny Dykes and, and his staff can sort of maximize because they've been stuck here for the last few years at, at, at kind of this, you know, 500 kind of level. Um, but I think the potential for TCU, especially when you take Texas and Oklahoma out of this conference, um, I think they have made it cooler to go to TCU over the past decade. And I think the thing the edge TCU has over Houston is, is TCU's just been doing this for a decade now. You know, I mean, I think we know what we know what Houston can get to potentially, but TCU has already, you know, put in 10 years of, of building towards that. And I think that facilities great. I, I, I like, you know, I think Jeremiah Donati is, is a, a very promising young AD. And, and I think that, um, you know, the investment and support and kind of buy-in around there is, is really strong. So I had Oklahoma state number two, yeah. but I have reservations because what I'm trying to figure out is, is Oklahoma state a really good job or does Oklahoma state just have a really good coach? Correct. And I'm, judging it that way because 
think about it, that was a very difficult job, really up until Les Miles, and then Mike Gundy succeeded Les Miles and took it to another level. Now, I will say, just from you know talking to people around the league, that Oklahoma State was not a good job before because there was not a lot of investment in the program. Boone Pickens took care of that part of it. So the investment has been made, the infrastructure's there, and now I, I do think even if Gundy's not in charge, somebody good can come in and keep that thing at a very high level. I mean, 16, 16 bowl games in a row? Yeah. I mean, there's, that's, that's a very a small that list of programs that can see to win now. Yeah. Like they, 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 have, they have completely flipped the expectations for Oklahoma State on their head from when they took And I realize we may be talking to some younger folks who are in their, their late 20s, early 30s, who don't even remember a time when Oklahoma State wasn't good. <laughs> it's, it's a fair point, and I think that you have to you have to value, just as like when you guys have the Oklahoma Texas argument, I think you have to value sustained success, sustainable success, and being a very consistent contender with Oklahoma State. So I think there's a strong case for them at, at number two. I think that, and I don't mean this in a negative way, they probably, through all that success, I think they probably have shown about how good it is to recruit there, like how, how possibly good you can get in terms of recruiting there. Yeah. And and they've and that's not bad. first round draft picks or, or developed first round draft picks. Like they, they've done that. They, they've done everything you would want to do. And they have good access to Texas. They can get good players there. You have to win on evaluation still. And, and the best in-state kids a lot of times are still going to go to Oklahoma. So I think there's some challenges there. But I don't. I don't. As good as they've been, I don't necessarily think Oklahoma State has bumped their ceiling, uh, especially when you take those two out of this conference. Um, right. But I think Oklahoma the State Metroplex part of it now maybe makes me Oklahoma lean towards Texas TCU over the decade. Yeah. You know, post Gundy. Yeah. Well, I like TCU is my three, and Oklahoma State's yeah. my four. So I, I okay. kind of at least feel like we're on the same page here. TCU has Dallas, and you have a coach that's there right now that understands how to recruit this city better than anybody's recruited it in a while in terms of, of coaches that are in the city. And I'm very curious, and I know that Sonny Dykes, I know this for a fact, that he wanted to be in playoff contention, and he wanted to compete at the highest level, and I think that's the main tenant of the reason why he jumped over to Fort Worth. Um, TCU has you know, been in a position right now uh, where they've, in the past 10 years, have recruited at the highest level and almost made the playoff. You know, And to have the amount of talent here in, in a coach that – has already proven he can get top 100 players to commit to SMU, I think is a pretty good recipe. Um, but even regardless of, of Sonny Dykes' current position there, I would feel good stepping into a place that's in Fort Worth and recruiting the Dallas area well enough to to potentially win this conference, and I think that they'll be in a good position to do that. Oklahoma State, for me, was just sustained regular success. And I don't know if I ever anticipate that Oklahoma State's going to win a national title, but like you said, Max, 16 straight bowl games, they're never bad. And, and, and they never, could have been in the playoff this year. Yeah, and they could have been. They were, what, a yard away from potentially yes. jumping Cincinnati, which in <laughs> yeah. my heart, we'll never know the answer to. But in my heart, I believe that would have happened. Um, so if I guess I'll just move on the list and I'll just say Cincinnati now at five. And I don't know how high you guys have them. But Cincinnati, before getting elevated into the situation, assembled one of the top four teams in America in football this year. Um, they have a... Uh, unique standing in the state of Ohio. They're not going to beat out Ohio State for any of the top 100 kids there. But if you have the right coach like Luke Fickle, and, and if I'm taking that job, I, I understand exactly how I would attack it. 
It's a very deep and talented state, and that program is very much situated in a position where it can beat other Big Ten schools for um, talent that's developing into first-round draft picks. And if you go look at some, what well, they had two Thorpe Award winner, uh, one Thorpe Award winner, and two potential uh, candidates to win that award. Um, you know, there's a lot of talent in the state of Ohio, and people I think that should have been going to Michigan State and Wisconsin and Purdue and all these places that are just choosing Cincinnati over those other schools. And there's a tremendous amount of Ohio pride, especially in the Cincinnati area, which is a sneaky, talented city. And now that you can mm-hmm. sell the Power Five, I think that if they're already winning the Big Ten battles out of the Group of Five, imagine what they can do now with this distinction. So I, I've always been pretty high as to Cincinnati. We'll be right back after these words. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's, and and it's, it's, it's also similar to your bigger cities in Texas where the coaching, the quality of the high school coaching is really good. You can get really good kind of finished product players out of there that can contribute quickly. And uh, and I don't know how much Cincinnati's that, attacked from a national level, Andy. Like how many oh, people absolutely. are going into Cincinnati from, from a plane ride away? Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Ari. I, and, and I think that Cincinnati's in a fascinating position now, uh, especially because you're, you're, they're so hot now. And so you got to, you have a chance to kind of keep building on that momentum and you've kept, you know, you've kept fickle and you can keep building on it. So Cincinnati just signed a very good recruiting class, 42nd in the country in, in this 22 cycle. So my question to you would be, and I know that it's a, it's a, it is a very much about evaluation and fit for that staff, right? So they're not, you may have access to higher rated players by joining a power conference. I don't think they're necessarily going to reach on guys that they shouldn't reach on, but how, like what would be your reset expectation in terms of class ranking when they're in the big 12 for a little bit, probably in the top 30, yeah, uh, top 35. I mean, I don't think they're ever going to be in the top 20. But here's the thing that I think about recruiting rankings is once you get out of the bulk of the top one through seven teams and you start getting in the 12 to 30, I think there's a marginal difference between mm-hmm. those. So even though Cincinnati is never going to be in a position where they are making people's head turn with where they're finishing in the in the composite rankings, I think they'll be put in a position where they can be like a Wisconsin or a Northwestern or the type of team that has consistently built a program through evalua- evaluation rather than sexy uh, recruiting numbers. And the thing that I think is fascinating now is I'm looking at their their class. 
they've got uh, multiple players in the top 500 in the most recent class they signed in 2022. One's from Alabama and one's from Florida and one's mm-hmm. from Ohio. So they've already shown, too, that they can be a big enough brand nationally yep. to attract players from other territories, which I'm not sure many of these. It's not like you're going to go see you know, Baylor rating the Pacific Northwest or something. You know, I mean, the fact that they're able to go into Florida, they've got Ohio, and then hopefully for them, they'll be able to go into Texas now because they're going to be playing a lot of games there. I think that there's some versatility there with a, a very good dev- uh, evaluating staff to get something done there. That's, their, that's where it gets exciting is like, can you recruit, I don't know, 20% better in this new conference and, and be in on more battles for Big Ten guys, right? Or, or like bona fide, like Big Ten starter type guys that maybe you had a better relationship with or whatever. I, I, it's going to be it, very interesting to see how that's leveraged. And certainly, you know, Cincinnati's they, in recruiting battles with If they can Kentucky. have continuity with coaching staff, obviously that'd be a huge part of this too, yeah, as sure. opposed to having to go through a hard reset. Yeah. I mean, think about a program that's already battling an SEC school. I mean, Kentucky and Cincinnati are owning the secondary kids in Ohio when it should be five other programs that I can list. So, yeah. you know, hopefully I made a good case there, but I'm very curious. I'm kind of embarrassed because you know way more about the Big 12 than me. Uh, so, like, I, I hope I don't sound like a moron to you because, like, I you, think I said you know Houston more Ohio and, than like, me. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that is a great case. And and so, so I had I had TCU third, Houston fourth, and Cincinnati fifth. Mm. But I got to be honest with you. I, I don't know. And, and I'll just go – I'll go with what I, what I had sixth is UCF. But there's a case to be made for UCF being number one. Like if Florida State doesn't get things right, if Florida and Miami don't get things right, and UCF is winning in the Big 12, they will get players that would have gone to those other schools. Plus they have a lazy river, right? They're working on the lazy river, yes. I have UCF fourth, and I think that – and you can talk me out of that being the Florida resident – I, I understand that there I, is. I won't talk you out of it because I, I again I could make a case for them to be number one. I, I understand the food chain argument that okay, well you, you take this assumption that that Miami's going to get this figured out, right? And you assume Florida's going to get you know going to continue to recruit no, at a high I, level. I, I'm not making any assumptions at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you say and you say eventually Florida State will figure it out, right? Like so, I understand that that thinking of over the next decade if they're owning their state, then it's going to be, you know, potentially more challenging for UCF. But I think that um, this job is the thing that you guys, I, I feel like, prize over a lot of things, and that is quality of life. This is a very high quality of life job. You can get good players there. I think probably you can get a little bit better players there going forward in they the future. They will pay you. They will pay you. And you get to uh, also, like, I think if you're the coach of uh, UCF, you can kind of walk around Orlando and people leave you alone. You get to do whatever you want and live by the beach and or, or you know, live live in a nice place. And, uh, not really by the beach. You got to take the 528 out. Excuse closer me. Closer to the beach in Houston, which is you, my number but one. You can get, yeah. <laughs> there's there's got to be some nice properties out there, Andy. No? Nothing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, out that way? You can get Absolutely. a nice condo in Celebration, Florida. You know what that is? <laughs> I don't know where Celebration is. That would be a hell of a commute to, to UCF. But, it is? You know, you could live out in Oviedo. Oviedo was the, was like farm country when I was in okay. high school. They were in our county. Like Oviedo is right on the Seminole County, Orange County line. UCF is on the Orange County side of it. The city of Oviedo is on the Seminole County side of it. We'd be like, man, we're going out in the country now. It is, it is not the country. It is just like all suburban UCF, essentially. And, and uh, like the, the, the thing is that the way that campus has changed since I was in, because when I was in high school, UCF was viewed as like the 13th grade pure commuter school. Mm-hmm. Like it, you, you lived at home, you went there. 
it is a campus now. Like my kids may wind up going to UCF and like living on camp or living near campus. And it is a real college campus that, that people want to go to. And there's a community like it's not you walk around and see a bunch of Gators and Seminoles T-shirts anymore. It, it's not like that. OK. And, and you would say that the athletics investment in terms of trying to make this leap, you, you feel good about that oh 100 percent. Right? yeah, yeah. They're, they're very similar to houston in that they were acting as if before they even got there exactly exactly so i think and this is where honestly when i did this i i really i did lump these four schools together on my list because it's hard to know where they where they fit in terms of you know their new peers well okay ucf so, is six on mine so i don't know if we you know i mean i yeah, think that, we're all that's kind of they a, are in mine yeah and we've so we've covered baylor oklahoma state tcu houston cincinnati and ucf now we get into this is when it becomes more, banana so, land. More so the old line schools and the one the one other new one that it, it's weird because BYU I don't know where to put them because mm-hmm. they have such advantages in certain areas and such challenges in others. The thing about BYU is that I do and, and if I um, am wrong about this, uh, you tell me. But I think eighty five percent of their roster is LDS. And if that is a limitation in terms of the of the pool that you're in, it hasn't been of late. Yeah, I guess not. But I mean, if you're in a in a Power Five conference, if you're got one percent of the the talent pool that everybody else is fishing from, I would find that to be challenging. So I put BYU ten, um, and that to me is is just. And the thing you also have to take into account with BYU too is that you have to be a very specific type of person if you're not LDS to fit in there. You know, because right. you go you there be and you have to live by the rules there. and yeah. you have to, there's no drinking, there's no partying and it's all the things that, it's kind of the same thing to it. Sorry, if Jim McMahon could do it, you could do it. Yeah. I mean, I could probably do it. You know, I, uh, you know, I can conform, but I, do it now. But if, if we say You're that, uh, yeah, now, as long as I have a quiet <laughs> room, I can sleep like, in. I, <laughs> I'm going, going to Las Vegas for my bachelor party. And the thing I'm most excited about this weekend is just going to bed early and not being bothered. But, you know, I guess we could talk about that at the end of the show. I, um, I think the the hard part with that, like if you picture yourself taking that job, like I think for me, like that would be the, the hardest one of these 12 in terms of being like, there would just be so much I don't know. Don't know. Going in right. There. Yeah. And it's such a unique of the, of all the twelve. It's the most unique from a recruiting standpoint because you've got um, you know this crop of players every year that goes to take the LDS mission and comes back in two years, and so you have very from a roster teams, management but standpoint. From a roster management standpoint, it's nightmare. very unique. Yeah. And look, it's great that they're you know I mean I think one factor that's nice is if they're paying for your walk ons, that helps you build a, a pretty solid program. But um, I I have I so I have this Baylor one, TCU two, Oklahoma State three, UCF four, Houston five, Cincy six. But five six being very like pretty much tied, and then BYU seventh. But it's mostly just out of like kind of ignorance. I, I don't quite know. I, I think the thing that's so hard, like if you talk to um, all right, well let, let, let me do let me throw this at you, Max. If I offered you the BYU job and the Texas Tech job simultaneously, which one would you take? See, but I've lived in Texas, so like I would take Texas Tech. But Lubbock, feeling- Lubbock, living in Texas and living in Lubbock are different things. They are. They are. But uh, that that's just my own personal, like, I've only been out to BYU one time. I've been to one game there. So there's just a part of that that I just don't. It, it's more of my my experience, just not knowing enough about I think you can make the case that BYU that job is more well. beautiful. It's a beautiful place. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're, both, they're both very geographically interesting places. You, you, would take, you would take BYU in that situation and just figure it out? I Andy? think I would. Okay. I, I'm closer to a giant airport. The Salt Lake City Airport is, is a giant airport that, it's really. Have you been there in the last like, year? 
to Salt Lake. Yes, the I airport, was in Salt Lake in, in, in January. They've done a renovation it, to that airport where it it's is amazing. literally that, that Delta terminal is the best terminal in, I've, that I've seen. But it was a mile, and I'm not exaggerating. It was a mile walk from the from the gate to the front where the rental car oh, agency wait, was. Oh, yeah, wait. Just, just get, get a layover in Detroit where you got to go from one end to the other, and you won't you won't be worried about <laughs> No, I mean, Salt it was – I was like <laughs> – I thought I was like going the wrong way. I've never experienced anything like that before. Well, all right. So I'm, I'm going to oversimplify here, but you guys tell me what you think just based on your perception of watching BYU. You do they have a group of five roster, a power five roster, somewhere in between? Which way would you lean more? I think they have a group of five roster. I, I think they have a group of five roster that leans toward the power five on the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. which I think makes a big difference. There's a there's an argument there that their transition I think potentially won't be as hard. Correct. I just don't want to be limited. If I'm a coach, I don't want to feel like. And like the academic standards would well, but, also but all, take into account. I don't want to feel like I've handcuffed them. Getting on. to are limited in some way. It's either geography or something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if we're going to nag Notre Dame for having a Catholic, a private Catholic environment, and some people might not want to experience that, I think the BYU one is is probably a little it's, bit, a little bit more legitimate. intense. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and 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 you're right. The the rules they have. You know, you you've got to you've got to be willing to live by them. I I do think that would limit your pool. I do. So, and probably most I, coaches are probably not cut out to be the coach of BYU. I it's I'm just a very BYU, unique job. I'm going to put BYU seven. Okay. And I'm going to, or excuse me, I'm going to put BYU eight. I'm going to put Texas Tech seven. That's okay. exactly where I have Texas Tech. Yeah. And yeah. we'll see what Joey I have Texas Mc, Tech Joey nine is, but but Joey McGuire is Mister. Texas, you know, former Texas high school coach. If anybody can recruit there, he can. And look, Max, you're right about you're from Texas. You want to play in Texas. You know, the Lubbock thing, it is far away from a lot of places. All right, tell them where their recruiting class is ranked right now. It's like a top 10 class, isn't it? It's number two right now. Yeah. It is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but only have like yeah. 96 commitments right now, too. <laughs> yeah, like, the early I, commits I, help. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that it's more of a quantity <laughs> It might be a, a bit of a numbers but, game at this point. But, yeah. But no, I, I I think with the right person in place there, you can recruit there. I like Lubbock. I've always thought it's a very nice town. It's, it's you know, the distance. And, and I find, like, I'll say being from Florida, driving distances, like driving two, three, four hours to get somewhere does not bother me. And I find that people from the state of Texas tend to feel the same way. I think Lubbock's great when you get there. Lubbock can be a little bit tough to get to in my experience, yeah. but yeah. Uh, I think Cause you're talking about five, six, seven, eight hours to get. Yeah. There. It's an, it's an, yeah. And, and when you drive it from Austin, you lose cell reception for an hour or two, which sucks. But, um, uh, that, that's my problem having Verizon. Um, you know, I think that, uh, so I have it ninth and I think that for me, the factor that has to be considered here is I think that's a school where so the, for the past decade, not very much top twenty-five relevance, even with the great players and and really good, you know, some good coaching that they've had. Um, I think the expectations there are challenging, and I think we have to at least point out that by the end of year two, they were ready to fire Matt Wells. So, yes. like, I think and, you, when you take a job, yeah. I I I don't think it's unreasonable to at least want to be in bowl games pretty much every year at Texas tech. Right. I don't think that's unreasonable aim to be in bowl games, to be, you know, to have be popping into the top 25 at various points in the season. And and when you have, you know, a veteran team be a top 25 team. Um, I would say even with having 
I mean, they had Mahomes, and you saw you saw how good they could get, right? And and I don't think that that's actually an indictment of like the program and and the, and the upside or anything like that. But the expectations are are, are I think pretty high, and uh, that can be that can be a little bit challenging in terms of uh, if we're comparing jobs here. You guys want to know how I did it? How's I made that? I made a decision before I made my list that Texas Tech was going to be the lowest ranked Texas school. Okay. But I also made the decision that they weren't going to be down in the dumps with the other schools that are out of state that have other challenges. So to me, seven was a perfect landing spot. I, I think, I think a, being within the border does matter a lot. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just thought like being in Texas is a having Texas in your name is a thing. Um, and I don't think they're any more or less geographically challenged than the five schools that I have below it. So um, seven, I thought was a reasonable place to put them. And then Mount now. I think the the next two, I, I, at least I'm assuming we're we're talking about the same two. Maybe maybe we're not, but K State and Iowa State for me, those are the next two on my list. Are mm-hmm. tough because you have both schools where you had a coach kind of give you the blueprint. Matt Campbell currently giving you the the blueprint at Iowa State. Bill Snyder obviously at, at Kansas State. But are they? Is it? Do you have to be that good to do that? Yeah, that's um, that's always tricky in this, and I think if you so I had Iowa State at eight, the head of Texas Tech at nine, and I I could flip flop those. That that that's that's a that's coin toss for me. If you look at um, like the Sportico uh, databases of football expenses and revenues for for um nineteen twenty and for twenty twenty one, Iowa State is like currently spending and investing at a top five level in the conference, and part of that is because you have the momentum of being successful, having the coach that everyone can get behind, having the alignment, you know, top down of, hey, look at here's the payoff for, you know, when we when we have a really relevant program. And and I think that's a great, great fan base. And and I and I think that, you know, facilities, they they just finished up their big building. And I think they're in a in a, in a good place there. I think that um, you know, if you asked five years ago, I think people would put Iowa State right there with Kansas. In terms of the yeah, jobs, I, and so in terms of, yeah, does this? I think you're right. When if if you know if Matt Campbell's gone in a year, how how would you how would you Can look at Iowa State on this, this list? I I don't know. I think I think what Matt Campbell's doing is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, and I don't. I think that you know if when the day comes that Matt Campbell's gone, I I I would be honestly surprised if they promoted from within. I think they'd be starting over a little bit. And so we'll yeah. see. Does that so then does that expectation turn into six and six? Six and six, though. It, what were they last year? If you look at the history of the program, <laughs> six and six is a is a great for sure. Like th- that's a good baseline for them. It really would be. See, I have Kansas it's State just, ahead of them because mm-hmm. I don't think the expectations are anywhere near what they would be at Iowa State with the momentum that they have. But at the, at the moment, but I think Iowa moment, State's would drop back down pretty quick. K State, K State invested very well at the end of the Snyder era like have Max I know you've been I was there. just there yeah they're Ari, from I don't a facility know standpoint there. they're they're really good yeah it's awesome yeah like it's really nice and so I think that's a place you can win but you got to follow the formula like don't deviate don't be Ron Prince and think you're going to reinvent the wheel just follow the formula yeah I mean the thing too is it's like with Iowa State and the reason why it's behind is that you have would people say the greatest coach in in Iowa State history right now? 
Yes. And they just mm-hmm. came off of a really bad year for their standard. So I think it's a nice little for lesson. their new standard. For the yeah. new for the standard, standard that, yeah, for sure. That existed as of three years ago. Yeah. But I just yeah. feel like it's very hard to sustain anything that people will get truly excited about there year over year. And if the expectations are a little bit higher, when you have two schools that I think we could probably argue is a coin flip on this list for a, a quality of life standpoint, I think I would rather be at a place that didn't have me on the hot seat quite as soon. Yeah. I, and I think there's probably, it's probably worth mentioning, especially when you're talking about a conference where you're taking Texas and Oklahoma out of the picture and more importantly, Oklahoma um, from what I'm about to say, Kansas state has won the big 12. They have done it. And so, yeah. and Iowa state has not. Um, and so With, there's, that's an K-State argument I think had possibly the greatest co- uh, behind Nick Saban, the greatest <laughs> right. coach you ever lived. Like yes. if you, if you put degree of difficulty into the picture, Bill Snyder might be a top two college football coach. Sure. Sure. No, uh, totally. I, and, and you can look at it and say, oh, here's, here's where everyone else in the conference was at the years they wanted or whatever, but at least it's been proven it's, it's possible there. And, and you're right, Andy, it, 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 it there is a assumption that it, it's, it's got to be pretty, pretty close in blueprint to the way it used to be. Um, I have Iowa state eight and I have Kansas state 10, but I might have Iowa state a little bit too high, just sort of being a prisoner of the last, last five years here. And I, and I, it'll be interesting to see, you know, Ari, that, that Iowa state and, and Cincinnati are kind of recruiting in the similar territories. Um, they're very know, similar they're, plans too. Yeah. yeah very similar. Mean, and yeah. so I'm interested to see if Cincinnati has some effect on that. The funny thing is when, you know, and I'm curious for your take on this, Ari, I actually don't think it, uh, Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC is really going to affect any of these programs from a recruiting standpoint. I think it's going to help Texas and Oklahoma have a chance to beat LSU and Ohio State and A&M and Bama might, and other programs for guys. But I don't really think it's like Oklahoma State's going to keep recruiting at the same level they're currently at. And and, and I, like just because Oklahoma's in the SEC, I don't, I don't think that changes. Like Texas and Oklahoma were already recruiting at top 10 level and will keep doing so. I don't really see much of a recruiting change other than the four new members coming in. Well, we think when we think about um, conferences, we think about geography. And as we're moving more into expansion, geography is becoming less and less relevant. But the thing that it was never going to change, regardless of what conference those two teams is, they're both going to hammer Texas. So as long as those two teams continue to hammer Texas, it's going to have a direct impact on their former conference because that's the main recruiting territory of everybody in the conference outside of the four new ones who might now start attacking Texas a little bit more because they can sell that. Um, I'm with you 100%. I think Oklahoma and Texas might be able to have a better shot at a kid in L.A. now mm-hmm. or a, a kid mm-hmm. in, in Florida or something You know that might have been a little bit more tough for them to do because they can sell the SEC. And I, I don't know that it's going to improve their position in Texas because they are what they are here. Um, that said... How much is it going to change in the Big 12? Probably not much. Um, but I do find it fascinating that Iowa State seems to be very the very first offer on a lot of these top-tier prospects before they blow up, which mm-hmm. I think is an indication or at least a, uh, a clue into how Matt Campbell is doing what he's doing. And Cincinnati, who I have a few spots higher on the list, does the same thing. So I think they're very similar programs situated in opposite ends of the spectrum. And it'll be very interesting to see how they all pan out there. Um, And I guess if if you want to continue to go into, I had had BYU 10, West Virginia 11. And the reason why I had West Virginia so far is just because, you know, before they just didn't belong in their own conference, like from a a footprint standpoint. Now you have Cincinnati that's a few hours away. And, you know, I guess geography in the Big 12 doesn't matter much, but like West Virginia just doesn't have players. And I guess they can drive into Ohio. Um, and they were a much bigger uh, 
outcast, I think, in the former Big 12 than they are now. But still, it just never really made sense to me at all that they were in this conference. And I think it's just a very hard thing to sell there. And they've got a great stadium. I've been there. They've got an awesome town. Morgantown's awesome. It is. But, like, there are no prospects in West Virginia at all. And, like, if you're going into Ohio, you've got to be, you know, you've got to beat Cincinnati. You've got to beat all the other Big Ten teams that are in that state. Um, Iowa State's in Ohio. Like, what is the differentiating thing about West Virginia that's going to sell to these kids? I just feel like you're behind the eight ball there. I I, I always feel like West Virginia really got screwed in conference realignment. Not of it, by they they lost by winning, if that makes sense. And if you talk to Tom Jurich, the former Louisville AD, he he's still very mad about how all this went down. Mm-hmm. Where you know he says the Big 12 leadership said, Oh, what matters is an airport. If you have an airport, you got the best shot. Well, if you've ever been to Louisville's campus, it is like a mile from the Louisville airport. And the Big 12 took West Virginia where the closest decent-sized airport is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, yeah, hour away. Had Louisville gone into the Big 12, I think they would have been a better fit. I Now, Louisville's a good fit in the ACC, but I think they would have been a better fit than West Virginia in the Big 12, and West Virginia then would have gotten that spot in the ACC and would be a perfect fit there. And That's right. I, I do think it's hard for West Virginia to recruit to play in the Big 12, and you saw you know, Dana tried a little bit where he tried to go into Texas, and that, that didn't quite work. No. West Virginia, if you want to win at West Virginia, you know, Don Nealon, Rich Rodriguez, they showed you how at Dana. They showed you how. You you got to go to Florida. You got to pick and choose out of Ohio if you can get some of those. Get some out of Pennsylvania if you can. But you don't have any place that's naturally yours to recruit. Does West Virginia always benefit going from the additions, though? Is, is West Virginia the best beneficiary from a recruiting standpoint of the new territories coming into the conference, or does it not matter at all? I don't know. I I also I have West Virginia. Helps. I also have West Virginia eleventh, and I and I want to be clear because like, now now when they when they go mm-hmm. into let's say they go to Orlando or they go to to Fort Lauderdale or Miami, and they say, "Hey, come play Power Five football to a kid who doesn't have any Power Five offers." He has a UCF offer now too. Yeah, and I, he's I, like, mm, "I'm just going to go to Orlando that, if that's okay." That was that's a, it's a. I'm glad you brought that up, Art, because I remember talking about that um, with Tony Gibson, their former DC, on a visit to West Virginia when that staff was there, and he said the thing that they do is, um, you know, they recruit Big Ten and ACC kids, but they they give them a Big Twelve offer, and so it's a little bit of a different. You know, it's a little bit of a different. Hey, if you want a little bit of a change up from the other stuff you're looking at, take a look at us. And so, does Cincinnati coming in and UCF coming in help you? I don't I feel think like it really got, does. Like, roadblocks in every state that they used to recruit now. Yeah, and that didn't exist before. So I have this 11th, and I and I say that as the job, not the program. I'm not rating the program 11th here out of out of 12. Yeah. Um, where do you where would you put this? Where would you put West Virginia on the ACC list, Andy? I put it ahead of Syracuse. <sighs> I'd put it ahead of Wake, even though Dave Clawson's a miracle worker. You put it ahead said. of what? Three, four programs? I, I think so. I, I don't think I'd put it ahead of Pitt. I think Pitt Pitt's in a better spot. Boston I, College. Boston College, I think I'd put it ahead of there. So yeah, they they would be they would probably be number ten in the ACC out of out of fourteen if if Louisville wasn't in the ACC. If Louisville was in the Big Twelve and West Virginia was in the ACC, I think West Virginia would be number ten. I, I think it's just a hard it's a hard job and it's a harder job than we, we probably realize because they actually were able to 
in making the leap over the Big 12. It took them a couple of years, but then they were able to be pretty successful, pretty pretty consistently under Dana Holgerson. And you know, now they're going through a little bit of a rebuild. And I think we're seeing this offseason too. The retention part's a little bit tougher at West Virginia too. They're, they're, they're losing a bit to the portal. When you take those kids from Florida, can you get them to stay there for three, four years? That's That that part is getting tougher these days with the way the, way the sport's going. And, um, you know, I think that, I don't know. I, I I don't see this job as being on the level of Kansas by any means. So I don't I don't mean this as a diss, but I just think um, you know there are some some real disadvantages just the way that this this thing is set up for them. Yeah, I, I hate it. I hate it for them because that's a place where they love the program and they love football. Definitely, and they get behind it. And so I now I think that helps. I think the fact that you're going to have a packed stadium, you have people that are super passionate about it, you can always sell that. Even if you have other disadvantages, you can always sell that. But it is harder, and it's. It, I really do think it's, we, they, we might be shorting they them. Lost I mean, by winning in yeah. back in 2011. We might be shorting them because they. I mean, could they be a, a seven, eight, nine win program pretty consistently in the new Big Twelve? Yes, they could. Yeah, but but one of the bigger problems is they were a consistent ten win program, 10, 11 win program in the Big East, and I think their fans got used to that. And they've never quite accepted that the level of competition went way, way up when mm-hmm. they got in the Big 12. Yeah. It's just harder to do it's that. It's harder. Yeah. It's a shame, it's harder. too, because West Virginia is the team that, I don't know if I'm speaking for you here, Max, but like I, I grew up thinking they were the most fun team to watch on, on Saturdays. Yeah. You know, they were the video just, game team for me. Yeah, they were the video the game team. Tavon yeah. and Gino. And I yeah. do think that there is, when this game Noel comes Divine back. Or Noah Devine, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. the man. But yeah. being the video game team will matter in four years. Yeah. Yeah. I, those kids I, you know, play that it, game. Th- there's, there's a part of this too. That's interesting. When we talk about the four new, new members, I've, I've had this conversation with Dan Holgerson where one thing he learned in jumping over from the big East to the big 12 was in the big East. If you have like 20 really good players, then you can win the conference. And at he, what he found at West Virginia was you probably need to have about 45. You need to actually yes. have some real depth and you have to have some real stars. And the, and, the deepest team they had couldn't make the title game. Right, lost because in that me- mega shootout against Oklahoma against against was, Kyler, you know Kyler being yeah. a freak, yeah, and and so that that I'm interested to see in terms of UCF and Houston and, and Cincinnati, and I, I don't know where BYU is in terms of that count, right? In terms of does it take, and and we also don't know if they're getting full payments right away or not when they join the conference, but how many years is it going to take before these programs are rolling, or if you're like a Cincinnati and you're at this level right now, can you just kind of keep riding this wave? Yeah. Oh, it's it, it is going to be fascinating. Did we you guys not, take not, any got, NIL into this? Any and did you think about NIL? Uh, oh, okay. So let's go back to our conversation from Tuesday's show. Passionate fan bases that can put some stuff together. I think Oklahoma State is out there, but TCU, like the ex SWC, the ex Southwest Conference School, so TCU, Houston, Texas Tech. Like I feel like they're Baylor. They're all the best suited for it. Like the, the reason why I ask those because I think about Cincinnati. It's like I think the Cincinnati would get the boat there. raced in that in that regard, right? You and UCF. UCF's a young alumni base. That remember that you know that's a school. I think the school opened in 1976. So there's several generations behind everybody else in mm-hmm. terms of of donors. Now they're they're a large student body school, so they're pumping out alums fast. But typically, you don't start donating for a while. After mm-hmm. you graduate, so I don't donate. That is that is an interesting because you know Houston, BYU, Houston, BYU, Texas, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State. Those are all more old line. Like they've got 
people in who, who have been donating for a while, like I'm sure Boone would have would have done some nil stuff. He'd have been <laughs> he had some fun with that. But all but you know, and Oklahoma State's an old Big Eight school, but the old Southwest Conference schools, I think, would be like, "Yep, let's just light the furnace again." Yeah, you know, and, and you look through this list, and honestly, other than um, other than Kansas's football stadium, I think you like go through the whole list, and you're like. Facilities wise, like these schools invest, you know, yeah, good, there is venues. they fundraise and they invest in, in what they've got going on. And and that's I think as we go into this future now, too, there was a real wake up call in 21 when everything when, when shit hit the fan and everyone's kind of like, where are we going to end up where I mm-hmm. think these are all schools that are extremely motivated to not be mediocre and extremely motivated to hire great coaches and be as successful yep. as possible because they know you know, who knows what the future looks like with any of this realignment stuff. Well, that's what excites me the most about this league. If it, if it winds up and who knows if there's not more realignment or, or what, but if it winds up being the 12 teams we've talked about, I realistically think that there will be a lot of years where there, there are eight or nine teams that go into each season with a legitimate shot to win the conference title. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to make for fun games. Like I kind of hope, that they put themselves in a TV time slot that will, that, that will get them by, get their best game kind of by itself, like a weeknight type game, because some of these games are going to be great. These are going to be like the, the, the competition right at the top is going to be a slugfest every year. And I'm here for that. Now, by the way, guys, we've, we've brought up Kansas tangentially. We need to address mm-hmm. Kansas. They made a good hire with Lance Leipold. They did. For sure. It's still the hardest job in the FBS right now. It's it, number it's, one. It's <laughs> not like it's I really kind of just judge them as like just based on the ditch they're in. Right. Like I think yep. what it's it's really just about climbing out of that and getting back to normal and steady. And I think they're going to be um, pretty close to 85, if not right there, if they want to be this year. So from that standpoint, that's encouraging that can you just get back onto a level playing field with everybody else in terms of your scholarships? Um, it's just, it's just, it's, it's just going to take time and patience and, um, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe they'll be in the big 10, right? Who knows? Probably not. No, but like, yeah, who knows? Listen, I remember Larry Scott. We make fun of Larry Scott. Larry Scott's right about a lot of things. Larry Scott said realignment's not done. This was before Texas and Oklahoma. And everyone's like, no, no, what else? Who, who, who else could possibly move? And then Texas and Oklahoma joined the SEC. So, <laughs> yes, all of this is is sort of stick a pin in it. And I'm sure the TCU fans listening are, are nodding like, yeah, remember when we were in the Big East for about five minutes? Remember okay. Boise State and San Diego State were going to join the Big East? <laughs> right. Okay, two things for you. One, do you guys think that any of these programs we just talked about is capable or, or likely – to pull off a six titles in a row run like OU just did? No. Or do is it going to just change? I feel like it's going to change up every year or every, every cha- or brief I, cycles. There, right. There will be ebbs and flows. There will be there will be Cincinnati will be dominant for a period or Houston will be dominant or TCU will be dominant or Oklahoma State will be dominant for a period. But it, I don't think those periods will last because everybody is kind of on a similar playing field. This kind of feels like a less extreme version of the Mac, but in the Power Five. Like the Mac, every single team in the Mac is the same thing to me. And it's like if you're a head coach in the Mac, how do you differentiate yourself? And I guess if you're Miami, Ohio, you know, you got a beautiful campus or whatever, but like how does Kent State, mm-hmm. Akron, Western Michigan, Buffalo, 
and all the other teams that are in that regard. Northern Illinois, like when you get these kids on campus, it's just like the same geographical area of the country, the same recruiting pool. And it's just like, why would, like if you were well, down like, to Kent State and Akron, and how do you pick people would, would hate to hear this because they hate each other and, and are bitter, bitter rivals. But what are we really talking about? We're talking about small private schools in, in Texas, one's in Waco and one's in Fort Worth. But if you're not from there, they seem fairly similar to you. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're a football player who didn't grow up rooting for either one or planning to go to either one, they're kind of same you as the have to sell it I, I can d- see and that. differentiate it that way. Yeah, yeah I've got one right. last question for you guys, too. I'll give you 25 years. Okay. Do you think anybody in this conference could win a national title? So UCF. That, okay, interesting. UCF. It, and it's and it's what I said earlier about they're pumping out donors and generations and they're generations behind because the school's young. When that school is older and it has a big donor base that grew remember the earliest part of that donor base didn't care about UCF sports. Like it really wasn't until Dante Culpepper showed up that anybody even worried about UCF football. When you have two or three generations of people who went to that school loving that school's football team, that school could be a uh, a monster. Um, I, I think what you're kind of getting at when you, with the Mac thing, Ari, that's fun about this. It's like this is a conference where everybody's following the same salary cap now. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, yes. it's it like because before – Texas and Oklahoma are just recruiting at a totally different level. And that doesn't mean they're evaluating better than these schools. They're definitely not in, t- in Texas' player, case, yeah. right? Yeah. But the ability that they have in terms of the players they can go get is just totally different. And with this conference, it does feel pretty same in terms of recruiting. And you could say, oh, the, well, these classes are 20, 25th and these classes are 60th. But there's not that big a difference probably. I mean, the- before Oklahoma and Texas left every single betting spread on this game, it's always three. Right. Every right. single yeah. week. It doesn't matter who yeah. the matchup is. It's and, and, three to four. I don't know. Am I wrong about this, Max? But hasn't the Big 12 essentially been the lab for for, for scheme? Sure. For the last 20 years? Totally. Yes. Yeah. And and, and you've had, you know, I, I think people like the Big 12 brand, probably the enduring brand for people still is probably back to that, you know, um, back to the 08 era, sort of like peak peak spread and air raid and stuff like that. But I mean, <laughs> we've, I've written about this a bunch, but you look at the, the direction that um, Iowa state and Baylor and, and then last year, Oklahoma state, what they've done on defense. I mean, now yeah. Jim Knowles is at Ohio state. I mean, you see these things rise up to the highest level. And so, um, yeah, I, I agree. It is, it has been a cradle of innovation in different ways over, over this, you know, over the history of the conference, the short history of the conference. Um, I think the the hard thing when you think like 25 years from now, Ari, is like, so it's got to be, in order for a Big 12 team to win the national title, it's got to be a 12-team playoff or larger, doesn't it? Or an eight-team? Yeah. Because yeah, I, and I think, I think it's I think that's happen. a big part of it. I think that'll happen. And and Bowlesby, obviously, Bob Bowlesby, their yeah. commissioner, was, was in the group that created the 12-team proposal and still supports the 12-team plan and is pushing hard for that. So... I, I think don't as think long as you get we're going to see undefeated paid. teams come out of the Big 12. We we certainly no. haven't seen much of that over the last uh-uh. decade. I mean, in order so for it's got to be that one to... lost team like Oklahoma State last year, that one lost team that can you can you get through, survive the league schedule 
and then be scrappy enough or unique enough on one side of the ball, maybe that you have a chance to, to be dangerous in, in a, you know, a 12 for 18 playoff structure. But it's, it, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. I, this is, yeah. this is the league. And, and it, I know they all got mad at us, especially you and me, Max, when, when realignment went down and everybody thought we were making fun of them because they, they were falling apart. It wasn't that. It was just that, that was what was happening. It, it was a situation. But what, what they have, what is coming out of this is going to be fun to watch from a football standpoint. It's going to be fascinating to mm-hmm. watch because of what we were just talking about, that everybody feels like they're playing with the same salary cap. So we, we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know how you feel about, uh, about our rankings. Did we get it wrong? Did we get it right? Is it too close to call? <laughs> I, I think I and think that's we know focuses are about Folks, fish. Go out and go out and eat some fish sandwiches and tell us. Yeah. Yes, things, you know that's exactly right. I feel that's like Max it. is going to go to Arby's now on his own that, time well, and make his own evaluation. Exactly. Exactly. That Arby's. sandwich has settled well with me. I don't. I don't feel like yeah. crap. Yeah, no, it's it's. And I'm telling you, there's that's an important factor for yeah, our I age. Feel, I feel amazing, even though I'm going to have to run these off. Uh, <laughs> but I will say the hack at Arby's that I didn't figure out until after I had eaten both of these sandwiches. Get the spicy filet on the King's Hawaiian bun. Words to live by. We'll talk to you later.